Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who can button a shirt better than a millionaire. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> uh, hey, Dave. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And someone's going to need to explain to me that reference. Uh my name's Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And Chuck, when they presented Bryce Harper with his jersey, he struggled oh. a bit with the buttons. Um, it's a good thing they got him a jersey because I think the rest of them that are number threes for the Phillies are gone now. I think they were <laughs> all sold. Dude, it was. <laughs> we're going to start by talking about the Bryce Harper press conference uh, right up front. Um yeah, I, like that moment was so awkward for me, and I was like, "Please, <laughs> please, just end, get it all buttoned, like as faster, please." Did you, did you feel that way, Gene, when you were watching it? I feel like they should have gone the the jersey route. I think that would have been a better move. Just slide a jersey right on top of his kind of conservative looking dress. Did you notice? Like the first thing that I, I noticed is they were the coverage kind of had him walking out of the of the, the tunnel for lack of a better term right, and he was right. wearing just like a basic gray t-shirt and like his hair was like not gelled and spiky and like i was like who is this guy this is not the bryce harper i was i was i was told that i would see i was expecting like an arm sleeve giant tattoo perhaps a bandana certainly something that had the american flag on it like i was expecting a <laughs> wwe style entrance like Face some sort of like eye black yeah some like sort of eye black all the way down the cheeks pyrotechnics something and and really all we ended up getting was picnic tables so well, well this is new family man bryce like <laughs> you know wants to make uh wants to find a permanent home in philadelphia and you're welcome to it uh ignore this weather that we have going on but you're in clear water and then also like the repeated talks about starting our family i'm like we're, we're planning on starting our family soon we're starting a family i'm like oh well bryce harper's gonna have sex soon <laughs> that that's good i'm happy i have i'm happy we know this when he signs his contract <laughs> family man bryce with his uh you know uh, golf shirt and sensible flat front khakis yes yeah. walks out to the podium yeah the all right he, this i don't know if this is what made it weird but for me, I was so excited to watch this press conference that it felt lacking right, in some way or another. And I, I don't know if it was just because it wasn't in Philly, you know, normally with the, you know, with the backdrop and the, the podium with the microphones. It was like it happened so late that we have to do it in Clearwater and the choice to do it on the, the dugout with. I kind of said to to Kara when I was watching it, like they should have opened up the stadium to just have fans in there. Yeah. So at least when there was reason to applaud, uh, there was enough people in there to fill the space, naming people like, oh, I want to thank this person, that person, that person. And there was a smattering of applause. It didn't fill the space, so it felt weird. So do you think that they didn't open it up or do you think that they had like just a select amount of fans or were there no fans? It looked like there was some fan presence. I thought I saw a couple of kids. Um but that's the thing is there are a ton of people in Clearwater. I I don't understand why wouldn't you just have that place go bananas? Like that would have been insane. I guess the the, the thought was 
it would be impossible to control. Like they people would just be so off, like off the charts excited, like they would never get anything actually done. Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you think there'd be enough Phillies personnel there of like, all right, your family is down to visit, you know, in Clearwater. It's like, hey, the whole Kapler clan, come on out and, you know, be there for the press conference. Well, the team had a game, right? That's why Kapler wasn't there or any of the players. They. Did they have a game at the exact time or shortly thereafter? I think, I think it was, it was after. Like, I think it was a road game after. Reese was yeah. there. Oh, Reese was actually Lurking. in the building? <laughs> yeah, he was just chilling with the shades on all the way in the back. Well, there, that's that's the bromance of bromances right now. There's a lot of bromances in Philly right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is, you know, Bryce seems to have this notion that we're going to start, you know, doing super team building here. It's a great notion. And um, I was happy to see, I don't know. Oh man, I do feel like such a hypocrite with what I'm about to say, but I was happy to see him, you know, promote the idea of, you know, the illusion of this guy's going to be free in two years, come to Philly. And I hated that in other sports, but now that it's, you know, baseball in my town, bring on the super team, man. I do not care. <laughs> I'm happy to be a hypocrite if it means winning multiple World Series. You've talked about this a lot uh, over the, the past few months, just kind of, guys, get it out of your head that uh, Mike Trout's coming here. It's just, it's not going to happen. The, you know, the Angels aren't going to let him go. It doesn't even... You know, would he prefer to just stay out in a little bit of obscurity uh, to avoid the pressure of you know playing in his hometown? Did, I mean, wh- or where where do you th- where are you on that now? Well, I, I think maybe I was the the one that's been trying to keep my emotions in check about that in particular, especially over the process where it, it very seriously looked like we were going to get no Manny Machado and no Bryce Harper, and all day long you would hear, "I don't want him anyway. We're just going to get Mike Trout in two years." Because the counter argument to that is Mike Trout signs an extension because why wouldn't the Angels go like all out to have him sign an extension? And not only do we not get Mike Trout, he never becomes a free agent. Like it just doesn't happen. So there's no there's no nothing to to really look forward to. Um, but here's the thing. I think two different things kind of maybe put me more on the fence in this issue. One was I think Trout made an announcement that he will not. Uh, negotiate an extension until the contract is up. Like, he's not going to go into this season with the idea of negotiating an extension. Like, he plans on at least waiting until it's closer to free agency before he opens up that conversation. Now, I don't know if that's because he wants to kind of, like, continue to have leverage or if that's the agent or if he intends on becoming a free agent. I I have no idea. The other thing was... This somebody like Bryce Harper saying that out loud and like making no bones about it, like you know, that is way more compelling than some dude in South Philly on talk radio being like, Yeah, we're gonna get Mike Trout. Like <laughs> that, that carries no weight, <laughs> you know. So, some 17 year old uh, in the outer counties that puts it on tw- like tweets at Mike Trout, that that carries no weight. 
Uh, Bryce Harper, who just signed the largest contract in American sports, and he, he in his press conference introducing himself to the new team, calls out him almost by name. That carries a little weight because, you know, everybody in baseball was watching that press conference. And, you know, he said Mike Trout texted me, you know, like, you know, they're in contact. This is the LeBron, you know, Dwayne Wade kind of thing. This is we're going to get the band together and we're going to, to to make this a thing. Now, whether it actually becomes reality, I have to say, though, this Harper really does seem like he he is convinced that by the way he set up his contract financially, that he is going to not only like be competitive soon, he wants this team to be competitive for a while. He wants to create a dynasty. That's why he structured his contract the way he did. Because he he's only like a $25 million cap hit, which is not small, but it's you can bring somebody else in. Do you think Trout was kind of like, oh, bro, I'll be uh, blowing up my spot so early <laughs> over here. Uh, well, he so just for clarification, he did say he doesn't want to negotiate uh, an extension, um, you, like going into the season. So he doesn't want to talk about it during the season. Doesn't mean they're not going to talk about it in the off season. Okay. Um, but so uh, Trout's a free agent after next season, right? Right. So the the twenty twenty one year. All there's this full season and then another season and then he's a free agent. So I think actually Bryce Harper's uh, BFF Chris Bryant is also a free agent in that off season. We think about that. I like the idea of at that point you get you start to have the problem of like where do you put your power hitters in this lineup? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, is do you just? Bryce- do you is just Bryce have strikeout, strikeout, home run? Is that just how your lineup goes? We need Bryce to be friends with more pitchers. We need Bryce to be friends with more guys that can hit 350. <laughs> <laughs> Look, whatever, man. Our 08 team, our average was like 250. That's true. And still beat people by like eight runs. Yeah, And I think the whole trout talk, you know, there might be the plan of, yeah, I'll come join you in two years. But if this year and next year suck, you know, maybe Trout has a change of heart, you know. So yeah, I, I, I'm not putting maybe. enough, you know, any stock into what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, Bryce says uh, we want to bring a championship back to D.C. <laughs> does, anyone, does anyone give a shit about that? The only no. people that give a shit about that are like really lousy reporters in Washington that are like, see, see, he still loves us. See, see, he said DC. <laughs> Actually, I think the, see- the funnier bit of like the funnier faux pas in the thing is when he called out his wife for saying that she likes odd numbers. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. She gave the look or like, uh, what the hell is he even talking about? <laughs> or why are you talking about me and not saying how great I am? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the uh, 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 Syndergaard troll on Twitter about the DC comment? No, no. He uh, he tweeted something. He's a good follow, by the way. Like I know we hate the Mets, but um, Syndergaard's a good follow on Twitter. He said, uh, "I look forward to bringing a championship back to DC." Uh, you know, I mean Queens. <laughs> Just to throw that in there. Um, Gene, you mentioned at the the top of the show about. We're glad we saved the Bryce Harper jersey for Bryce Harper because they were they're gone, man. Going to be sold out. So, uh, fastest 
selling jersey the first 24 hours after it's been released of any player in any sport in the history of the galaxy. Right, yeah. This is faster than – that means it's faster than LeBron to Miami, faster than LeBron back to Cleveland, faster than LeBron back to – LeBron to the Lakers, faster than Tom Brady, I guess. Well, I guess maybe when his was released it wasn't all that exciting. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, I mean, I feel like the parallel in the modern age is is that LeBron to – because I remember it being a really big deal when LeBron's um, Miami jersey got released that first. That f- I think you know, basketball's at a disadvantage because it's kind of like not everyone's going to wear a basketball yeah. jersey. Yeah, what? it's a hard jersey to pull off. You can be round and wear a baseball jersey. <laughs> you can be round and wear a basketball jersey. You just got to own it. <laughs> and once and once again, Charles Barkley is the like patron saint of this podcast. And then because... you know, warm weather kind of works against the hockey jersey. Yeah, that does, and also its lack of popularity. Um, football, <laughs> to... football would be the next best thing. I would say. Well, yeah. here's my question though: In baseball, how did it? I mean, did did Stanton's jersey? Stanton went to New York, had the biggest contract in in major sports history up until this deal. I don't remember any talk about how fast that jersey sold. Do they still do the no name on the back thing? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think they don't. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Is that people don't want to wear a non-named well, you just get the number, right? Yeah, I mean, but you know what number he's wearing. Well, I mean, it means less. Well, okay. Well, then what about Machado? Why did Machado's jersey go off the shelves? Dude, because Machado... people are there in San Diego. <laughs> Machado's like a, a plastic figure, like. He's vapid. There's nothing there to Machado. He's just, he's just I, love a, t- I love the term vapid. And like <laughs> Machado is in San Diego, and all of, a, all of a sudden he's like an 80s valley girl. Like, oh my God. Have you seen my on base percentage? Oh, he's cardboard. He doesn't have a personality, and it's a shitty one. <laughs> Our guy's got, you know, charisma. Yeah. Um, and- and on that, let, let's talk about that because he came off as very genuine to me. He came off like I, I was buying everything that Harper was selling, and I don't know if he was in fact genuine or he just signed a huge contract for my favorite baseball team, and I and he could have said anything, and I yeah, would have bought it. I mean, he was so. I mean, everything about the way he came off physically and what he said was so everything I never thought about Bryce Harper because I don't know if it's because I've never bothered to want to spend five minutes uh, watching a press conference by somebody I hated so much after a, a Washington Nationals win um, <laughs> because I hate the Washington Nationals. So I, I don't know if it's just that I just had this perception of him as a super villain, like everything I hate about like douchebag baseball majors. Like I just, I could not <laughs> fathom that this guy would be somebody that'd be like, enjoying them like i just figured he would just come out and do something so obnoxious that's like i can't believe i've got to root for this guy for the next 13 years but instead i, I kind of was like i can't wait to root for this guy for the next 13 years yeah, he came out with a lot of humility and for a guy you know that wanted to sign the the biggest contract of all time and then did like i don't know how you pull off humility but but he did and you know, talking about, you know, players getting their fair share, you know, when the sport makes, what, like $11.5 he said. So let's let's get our share. 
And you're like, that's right. You know, do it all for every working man and woman out there. You go get your $330 million and you show those fat cats running the team. But the thing but that's, I bought it. I the thing that's it. insane also is I, I feel like, at least for me personally, I, I don't know that I would have cared as much. It was not the total dollars that was really bothering me. I mean, that's just where money's going. But Machado got, what, a five-year buyout, opt-out? The idea of him maybe getting like a three-year opt-out or a four-year opt-out, like the idea that he still wanted to be able to come back after three years, not necessarily to leave, but to come back and be like, you're all pay- already paying me an absurd amount of money. Now pay me more absurd money. So the fact that that, and from what he said, and there's no reason not to believe it at this point, he specifically said, go find me a team, essentially, and I don't want to have to leave. I don't ever want to have to go through this process again. I'm going someplace. That's going to be where I am for the rest of my career. Make it happen. There's the number. It's a big one, but it's going to get passed. So just go and get me the number so I can I can I can be secure for the next seven generations. And and <laughs> let's go because I've got a planet to populate. So let's make this happen. <laughs> I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we don't. Well, I personally didn't watch a lot of Bryce Harper related content outside of baseball games right so you know i'm just watching him just destroy the phillies on a pretty routine basis and uh you know not perform in the few playoff series that they played in but i didn't watch any post-game interviews or any like sort of between the between season type stuff so i would love to get a uh like a nationals uh fan on the show to talk about kind of their experience with bryce harper and like is this the kind of guy that he is you know a Nationals fan, also known as a former Baltimore Orioles fan who, uh, you know, abandoned, abandoned their, their team, team yeah. when something new and shiny came into town. See, I was just about to make a shout out to like a few Nationals fans, friends that I know. But after you slag them, were uh, did they used to be Oriole fans, Chuck? Can you confirm this for me? Actually, of the... Two of the three people I'm thinking of, I know, did were not Orioles fans. They just didn't watch baseball. One didn't watch baseball. Uh, she came to it late, and the other one, like her family, was from New York, and then she took up like she was living in D.C. when the Nationals came around. Well, the Mets losing no. fans or Yankees losing fans, I have nothing, no, no gripe with that. Oh yeah, no, that's God's work. Yeah. that's God's work. <laughs> that's that's somebody getting away from a cult, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah so my my few national uh nationals fans friends um i'm pretty sure muted me the day harper got signed because it was just ridiculousness i was just <laughs> you know, i didn't get to talk about that i got to listen to you you guys do the show and you know you echoed a lot of my own feelings but i was just stupid i was just stupid that day my productivity dropped i was mad at the people i worked with for not being more excited uh, there was that real generational gap of there's a I work with a lot of young people and the people under 30 did not give a shit. I'm like, we got Bryce Harper. Yeah. No, they didn't. Wow. You know, they'll be at the games, but, you know, and, and we welcome them at the games. But at, on Thursday, I was finding I had a real hard time finding people to talk about with it. I uh, I 
I work with some younger people as well. One of the guys, well, I'm good friends with one of the guys. And I found out at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, or whatever time it was. Thank God, by the way, he didn't announce this at like nine 15 in the morning or else literally <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten anything done at work that day. But I had just finished a meeting in a conference room on the other side of the building. And I found out I sprinted through the office, through the contact center and I high-fived him, and he instantly knew, and he said, I was waiting for the day that Dave Diorio <laughs> would run through the office and give me a high-five, so I knew that we signed Bryce Harper. See, the, the funny thing is I found out from our chat, you know, like you said, Dave, you put all these, you, know, you constantly check Twitter, you check the news, like, you know, just so you wouldn't miss it, and then there was, like, no way that you could have missed it. But it was a very busy day for me at work, and I had a – you know, I wanted to run off to the bathroom for my next uh, my next appointment. And I go run the bathroom. I'm like, all right, let's check, uh, you know, my phone. And all of a sudden I see like 15 messages in our sports chat. And I'm like, it happened. You know, I didn't know what the verdict was, but I knew that it happened. And, you know, we had signed Harper. I, I think I... From there, I just scoured the internet looking for like reliable sources just to confirm, you know, and it wasn't much scouring. It was out there, but I had to see two, three, four other sources just to make sure that it was really true. And then the poor people I talked to shortly thereafter, I had no idea. Like they did not get the, <laughs> they did not get the best service that they deserved that afternoon because I was completely elsewhere. Uh, here's also what I want to say about. Bryce Harper coming to Philadelphia. It's when we sign players or we make a trade for a player, you know, we're fans. We talk about it. I talk about it with my wife. My wife does not give a damn about Gene Segura or real Muto or Robertson or any of these other guys that I, I get excited about. She's legitimately excited about Bryce Harper being in Philadelphia. And that is what the Bryce Harper effect will be. Because, you know, that 07 to 11 teams when every single night was a party at Citizens Bank Park. And it was fun and everybody loved baseball. Like, everybody loved baseball during that time. Um, and that's he's going to bring those people, you know, for better or worse, you may hate it. Um, you know, cause you can't get a ticket anymore or whatever, <laughs> but, uh, that's what it's going to be. Everybody is going to love baseball again in Philadelphia. And, you know, we can, as much as we say, uh, Philadelphia is the Eagles dominate everything, but Philadelphia is a four for four city. Like yeah. w whatever it may shift. And I, what are those like spider diagrams where, you know, one point pulls at the other sides of it, like that may happen from time to time, but Philadelphia is a basketball city. It's a hockey town. It's a baseball. It, it like we embrace it all. So it's all love, man. Well, and, and strangely enough, like I feel like there are a lot of places that have a much stronger and maybe even more than their professional um, teams, a much stronger relationship with their collegiate sports. And I feel like the thing with, with Philadelphia, as much as there are some really, really good college teams in Philadelphia, Villanova is a two-time national championship, for God's sake. And I feel like they get support. But I, I feel like it's just there's still a difference between the way that this city, the way Philadelphia's relationship with their pro teams is. Than, I can't think of any other place. Maybe New York is the only real place that has the same kind of 
absolute almost uh, identification with its it, with its athletic teams like I, I other places you know you you think of especially like places in the in the middle of the country where you know you think about like Ohio State or Michigan you know those places have are 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 a hundred thousand people on a Saturday afternoon at a college um so that becomes uh, the culture but in Philly like we are we are a pro sports town maybe the I'm going to say it. Maybe we are the pro sports town. Yeah, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I think um, Boston would give us a run for our money, but they have a lot of universities there, although I think we have a very strong college basketball culture. What I think puts Philadelphia over New York is that we're all rooting for the same team. We only have one football team in town, and when the Eagles are doing well, or just making news. It is everywhere. And the same with the Flyers, the same with the Sixers, and the same with the Phillies. And I I spoke about this. You can go back and, and listen to sometime in September where I called Philly out for not being a baseball town. I am so excited that Bryce Harper is here and that Citizens Bank Park is going to be the place to be in the evenings, in the summer, once again and you know there's some talk on twitter frequently of like sort of fan policing and going well if you weren't here for you know if you weren't here for for darren ruff you know you shouldn't be here for this current team or whatever the case may be um but i am just excited for excitement i just want baseball to be in the air i want casual fans i want eyes on the tv i want to be able to go into a random bar and have the phillies game be on i want to hear that radio coming from people's cars i want that atmosphere here again and i want to see what happens if this 13-year contract brings you know 10 years of success i don't even care if maybe one championship but 10 years of competing or eight years of competing, I want to see what the city looks like afterwards. I want to see, you know, did we turn a corner and become a baseball town once again? But I'm I'm excited to see it happen. I wonder if we could come up with a quintessential question uh, that you could ask people, like, to determine if they are a BB Phillies fan, like a before Bryce Phillies fan. If you can answer this simple uh, Phillies question, you, you're you're validated. Is that what you is that what you're I, I, hinting at there, Chuck? No, you're I wasn't hitting against it. I know you're advocating against it, but yeah, uh, it would be an interesting experiment. Uh, yeah, I I mean it it would be an interesting experiment, but I I think that a lot of people wouldn't pass it, and um. <laughs> no, you, no, well, no, but I I think that's you got to make it easy though. You got to make it easy. Like an easy one. Like who? I don't know. Like who was the shortstop? Philly wore. Okay, I was. <laughs> I was gonna say who wore number eleven. <laughs> no, that's too easy. <laughs> but hey, since we're talking about numbers, this leads me into a good transition. So, what did you guys think of uh, the? You know, there was a lot of talk about like would Bryce come in and and want his thirty four, and if he didn't take thirty four, we know his dad is. Uh, a big mantle fan was he gonna you know buy seven off of Mikel Franco um so in the end he he goes with three um 
without like to me he didn't really he said it's just a family number his brother wore it in high school i think is what he said um so i mean but not necessarily as deep as um you know their their his relationship with his 34 that he's worn in the pros for seven years um what did you guys think of how he handled that situation and secondarily what do you think about the idea of a team putting a, a number on ice and currently how many numbers do you think the phillies have on ice Oh God! All right. Well, first, let me just say, Phillies are not going to retire number thirty-four. So, if Bryce wanted to wear thirty-four, he could have wore it. In my opinion, a guy plays here four years, you're not going to retire his number. Yeah, but it might be like Pelly Lindbergh with the Flyers. You know, no one has worn thirty-one since Pelly died. It's not retired. But he died while he was on the team. Like. Yeah, that that's true, but like the Eagles retired Jerome Brown's number. And Jerome Brown played here what? 6 years? Oh god, I, I, I have no idea now. I have to look yeah. that up. But I think it's a guy retires and then die. I mean, every player that retires dies. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting really deep tonight, man. Oh. <laughs> but no, is I... it too soon? Is it too soon? Is that what the issue is? I think it's slightly too soon. I think he could have gotten away with it, but I think there's such nostalgia. And we, we talked about it when uh, Doc went into the hall. Um, you know, whether he's really ours or is he the Blue Jays or, or whatever. But the sentiment is clearly that Halliday left this huge shadow and it would have you know, ruffled some feathers for him to come in and wear 34. With that said, I think he was well within his rights. Um, other people have worn it since Doc left the fills. But you nobody's know, worn it, it since he died. No, no one's worn it since he died. And, you know, I respect it. I It's one of those things of uh, where I said before, I didn't know if um, uh, he, Bryce was being genuine with all of his sentiments, but he was definitely hitting all the right you know, you know, playing all the right chords. And this was certainly one where, you know, avoid any controversy. And, dude, he could have picked any damn number he wanted. That number was going to be iconic. You know, look at the, you know, 5,000% increase in jersey sales that happened from this time last year, I think, was the number I saw. The Overall, only, Philly's merch up 5,000%. The only yeah. number three I could think of of relevancy was Allen Iverson. That was literally the only number three I could come up with. I don't know who who's won in number Philadelphia three. sports history. Yeah, I couldn't think of another an, an eagle that's worn number three because uh, it would be a quarterback or a kicker probably or a punter. Um, so that's out. I couldn't think of a flyer that had worn number three, and I couldn't think of another Philly that had been a, was a famous number three. So I thought it was a good choice. My my takeaway on the on the holiday thing is I really do think that. There's a certain amount of that Bryce Harper knows that he's a very savvy guy is what I've picked up in the last three days. He kind of knew that if he came in and is like, you know, I'm going to take 34 and I'm going to reclaim all this. To a certain degree, that makes you come across not only to your teammates, but, you know, to the fan base is like, I'm a me, me, me guy. And if, if he, and if Cole every... Hamels appears out of nowhere just to plunk him once again. Right. Like mid press <laughs> conference. And and to me, I feel like this was 
a, a very easy way. There are so many, especially when you you think about some of these these players that, that move around in the NFL or whatever, that go and then and then give a guy a car to get their number back. You know, a lot of a lot of that is very diva behavior, and it's a you know, to me, you know, there's a certain place for that if you want to be a lot of a flash or whatever. And and I really did believe that that was the you know Bryce Harper has guys take his helmet off when he hits home runs and and does the hair flip and and. You know, to me, I felt like that would have been so on brand. But what I'm starting to realize is maybe I, I didn't really understand the brand or was irritated by the brand because he was a somebody who was already a supervillain on the other side of the uh, of the diamond, but also somebody who I never would have ever considered realistically somebody who might want to be here. He had literally no relationship here, and I could only imagine him wanting to go out west. Like that was just what I imagined of of, of what this person was. So for him to kind of make this gesture, whether it's whether it was something that was negotiated out or whatever, or somebody said to him, listen, Bryce, this might be the way to go. The fact that he took that information and didn't be like, no, I want what I want. And actually, if even if it's if fan placating or what do they call that fan service? Serve me, man. Like, I will take that fan service. <laughs> That's exactly what I want. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm like looking through the list of uh, Phillies players that wore the number three. Anybody jump out? Uh, like no one great. I mean, Marlon Bird, no, nah. Hunter Pence, <laughs> eh, but oh, he was here Hunter what for Pence. a year and a half. Todd Pratt, uh, still like. I mean, no, yeah, it's nothing. I mean, Chuck Klein. Okay, <laughs> is this just a bad omen of the? So far, all the numbers threes have been, oh, yeah, I thought he was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> they were all just guys, you know what I mean? They were yeah. just they were just dudes. And I kind of like that that means that Bryce Harper can just own the number three. Like, to me, that's, that's the kind of thing. So, you know, to me, I feel like there are only two other – uh, taking 34 off the table. We know that to a certain degree we can, we can guarantee that that number's on ice. It, it's basically as so much has been said. Whether it ever gets retired or not – I, I think at least for the next what we would what we can call the next generation of of Philadelphia Phillies baseball, you're not going to see anybody wear number thirty four. Um, but I think there's two other numbers that are currently on ice. Anybody care to to guess what what I think those are? Yeah, eleven and twenty six. Eleven and twenty six. Not, not six. six. No love for six. I don't huh? think that six <laughs> has got the same relationship with the fans as as number eleven and number twenty six. That's my take. I, I can't see anybody else wearing Jimmy Rollins' number, and I definitely don't see anybody wearing 26 that doesn't get everybody all, all yeah, kind of in the tizzy. Yeah, I, I would too. And if, poor if Mickey Moniak comes up and says, like, oh, I want to wear a 26, it's like, no, homie. <laughs> Yo, bro, that's not that's not a – like, but that's the thing is we have a an emotional relationship with 20 – with that number specifically. I, I feel like, more, you know, Rollins, I feel like because he's still very much, even through this process, an ambassador for the team, you know, and maybe maybe there was some kind of thing that that Chase did on the side. He he certainly got his he got name dropped. But um, I just feel like he he's bigger. And, and that's and that's why I think you would put things on ice. I don't think and as much as I, I love Chase Utley, I don't think he's ever going to be a Hall of Famer. But I do think if there was ever anybody simply for what he meant to a franchise that might break that trend of a player going into the Hall of Fame being the reason they get their number retired, I, 
I, I think that might might be the the guy that does it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe it's it's the fact that I'm still spellbound. I, I don't know. There's never I've never made any bones about the fact that uh, that Chase Utley was was my favorite player and 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 had been you know his entire career. Uh, the guy is is basically going to be the, the the stuff of myth to 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 people that you know that I talk to. So um, that's my take on the number thing. I don't know if anybody else has got a different outlook on it. Uh, no, no, I'm pretty much with you. And then as you're talking, it's. I don't know if there's anyone who more embodies, you know, what we want from a Philadelphia athlete than than Chase Utley. I don't know if there's somebody who's more of a Philly than Chase Utley. I mean, Mike Schmidt is the first one that pops to mind. So, and I still would probably defer to Mike Schmidt as being like Mr. Philly, but like Chase Utley's like, you know, the other Mr. Philly. I think they're like two sides of the same coin coin one's the uh the burgundy and blue and the others the uh the red and white pinstripes yeah and before that i would put richie ashburn i was gonna say richie ashburn too the first tier of that yeah but i i I could i can absolutely 100 percent conceive that bryce harper you know becomes that now the one differentiator here is that bryce harper came here as a free agent um, and I've kind of already talked about on this podcast about how I have difficulty having that same kind of relationship with a player that comes here as opposed to is grown up with the organization has been quote unquote part of the struggle. Um, but I think Bryce is young enough. Um, and he, you know, made the choice to come to Philadelphia. It wasn't part of a trade or anything like that. And it's not like we're already in the playoff situations um, yet. So if he comes here and we grow together and have success and uh, Bryce and I grow a family together, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think that he has a chance. He has a chance with me. But, what what, you know, I did want to talk about this. Gene, you talked about, uh, you know, Jimmy Rollins as an ambassador to the team. And that's something that Bryce talked about in that press conference quite a bit, like all the feedback he got about what it's like to play in Philadelphia. He got it from Chase. He got it from Jimmy. He got it from uh, Jason Worth, uh, you know, Mike Trout, uh, random security guard when he would play here. And, you know, I think it was so it was two off seasons ago or last off season when LeBron was a free agent. I sent out a tweet that said something like, you know, Look at yourself in the mirror every day and think, what did I do to help bring LeBron James to Philadelphia? (laughs) And if if the answer was not enough, do better tomorrow. Um, And thank God that didn't happen. But that's what happened with Bryce. Like every, and he even bring it. He's like, oh, I got, you know, I basically got, uh, you know, I was on the receiving end of, you know, some jeers and stuff throughout my career here until this most recent season. And then he got a lot of love when he came to Philly <laughs> because it was all come here, come here, come here. And like every single person in Philadelphia was an ambassador uh, to try to convince Bryce that this is a place that, you know, he should want to play. And now you look at all these players, like, you know, Brandon Graham doesn't want to leave. Um, like, are we becoming like a hotbed? Here and how valuable is that? Like, hey, guess what? Don't treat players like dicks. Like, you know, don't be an asshole to your players, you know, as far as like a management level is concerned. You look what's going on in Pittsburgh and you don't see that kind of stuff um, 
you know, obviously with the Phillies, because there's everyone has so much positive things to say about, you know, being a Philly and, and being part of like the Phil, Phillies family. And, you know, I, like I know the Flyers definitely have that going on because you never leave uh, when you're a flyer. Um, but yeah, I mean, any, any thoughts on that? Like, it's awesome, right? My, uh, my thought was the thing that's interesting is I think that that's a real thing. The, the thing that I find interesting is most of the national media hasn't gotten the memo and is just trudging out that tired story of nobody wants to play in Philly. Like people aren't taking the time to look at the reality of the situation and they're just trotting out that time, especially as this process was unfolding. And so much of it was just, it, it turns out now looking back in hindsight, so much of it was just wrong. Like we just had it, People just had it wrong, whether they were fed misinformation on on purpose or whether people misinterpreted information. But we know that a lot of the things that we were hearing about these negotiations were just flat out wrong. And I think part of that is there are a lot of people taking that tired take of nobody wants to play in Philadelphia. The Phillies fans are horrible. The, the Philadelphia fan as an as a species is horrible. They're too hard on players. Players want to play someplace where the weather's nice, and the fans basically don't give a shit. That was basically the take. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I believe that, I guess, about Manny Machado. I, I've never met a rabid Padres fan. Anybody? Anybody read a mad, a, no. a, 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 a rabid Padres fan? I've never, it's, I don't think that that, that exists. So... I what just you're think describing that, is the Colin Cowherd narrative. Yeah, and I mean, he's like prime example, but there are other people on lower levels that the take was Philly's fans are terrible. Nobody wants to play in Philly. Why would Bryce Harper sign in Philadelphia? That's basically tantamount to a, a, a prison sentence. Nobody wants to go there. People are forced to go there or drafted to go there. Nobody chooses Philadelphia. And honestly, it, it seems to me, especially when you're looking at, at – at, at the free agent history across the lately it's it's been absolutely the opposite between yeah. eagles that have played for us that don't want to leave and now with this Bryce Harper thing it seems like the the the, the counter argument is now starting to be laid out no and and what well, i don't know if it's been starting to to be laid out i think it's just a a, a recognition outside of philadelphia or or outside of athletes, because you mentioned Colin Cowherd, and you mentioned you know Michael Wilbon and other people. Like someone goes, "Oh, it's going to be you know three months before they boo Bryce Harper." And hell, we might boo Bryce Harper in three months, but if we do, it's because he deserved it. And if he's here, he's probably going to be kind of the player that wants to be booed. Who was it? Was it Malcolm Jenkins who? You know, after the the first game of the year or the first half of the year, say, yeah, we deserve to be booed. We don't want this honeymoon. You know, we want the fans to be hard on us, as always. And the real competitive athletes, they want that. They love Philadelphia. Anyone here who is, you know, wants to compete is a elite athlete, loves playing in Philly. You know what so, needed to happen? This is what needed to happen, and this is what changed that narrative. We needed teams to crack it. We needed teams to break through and win some fucking championships. Yeah. And then they know, it, like, 
if, if you're universally loved and then you win a championship and you're still universally loved, like what good is that? Like it, it's, it's that, it makes it that much sweeter when you do it in Philly because we appreciate it more, you know, and that's one that, you know, you start getting descriptions about the parade and Jason worth talking about his experience, you know, with the championship here. And I got to believe that it means something more here. I mean, it's not, it's not a regular occurrence in Philadelphia, sadly enough. Um, and it's monumentally special when it happens here. Yeah. And it's not just root, root, root for the home team. You know, we want to root for these guys, but if you give us reason to doubt you, there's going to be murmurs. There's going to be booze. But when you win a championship like the 08 Phils or the 2018 Eagles, it, like we take a bullet for you. Like, and I'm serious. I'm, I'm saying there are many people who would take a bullet for, for Chase Utley, you know, who would take a bullet for uh, Nick Foles. People would line up to do it. So and we've once loved you win, the, it's over. And we've loved the teams sometimes that fall a little short. You know what I mean? It's yeah. You don't always have to win it all, but if we know that you've given – literally every ounce that you have got and 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 gone to war and and even if it doesn't necessarily come out exactly you know it doesn't end in a parade but we you know right up until the point that joe carter's home run goes you know into that into the seats there is i don't have a bad thing to say about the 93 fills and and right up until game two of the nba finals and and 01 start i don't have a bad thing to say about the sixers and honestly, I don't have a bad thing to say about either of those teams. Th- those teams mean as much to me as the ones that did win the championship. The teams that don't mean that much to me are the teams that have, like, Bobby Abreu dogging it on them. Those are the teams that are, are, are you know, the 0-4 Phillies. Like, those are the teams that mean nothing to me. The the, the 80, 83 Eagles. You know, those those are the teams that are forgettable. And there are, there are players that go through their entire careers in this town that don't get booed because— they they absolutely give a shit the entire time. How, when was the last time you ever heard? You ever see a story of Brian Dawkins getting booed? Because I don't know any stories of Brian Dawkins getting booed. No. Did you know Brian Westbrook? Did he ever get booed? You know, you know who did though? Rollins, when he dogged it the first, and he's still an icon here. You know, we still rally behind the team to beat. You know, but that's the thing. You're going to get booed no matter how great you are. Jimmy Rollins might be the only Hall of Famer on the 08 team. He's certainly got the best case. But, yeah, if you if you don't show us, you know, if you don't play up to what we know is your, you know, what you set your standard to be, then we, we're going to let you know. And that's why the, the guys that don't get booed, the Brian Dawkins, the Chase Utley, the, the Brian Westbrooks, the, you know, I'm trying to think of a Flyers example because I know there's got to be one. Um, uh, there's a lot of booing at the end of the, yeah. of the bad period. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I don't, I don't know of any stories of Doc, Doctor J, getting booed, and 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 AI, I think did, but AI was a very different beast. Um, but that, I mean, that's my point, though, is I think that there's a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of myths that have always surrounded Philadelphia fandom between the the snowballs at Santa and and booing Michael Irvin. I, I think a lot of it is maybe there is truth within these these mythologies, but what what usually is often forgotten is the reason why we booed. Like there there is there was it's not just booing for the sake of booing. We're always trying to communicate whether it's to 
our own team or to the world at large with our booing, our dissatisfaction with whatever's happening. And in a real, like, tangible, frustrated way, the only way we know how is to just let that out. We are not going to stand by and let people play badly in front of us or, or do things to us that we feel makes, makes us look bad. We hate that. I would just like to say that I would push Nick Foles in front of a bullet headed for Chase Utley. <laughs> <laughs> and and if Nick Foles was a true competitor, he would agree. <laughs> it just kills me that he's got a statue before Chase. It really does. Yeah, but it was sponsored by Bud Light. Like, I, I mean, it's a fine enough statue, but it wasn't like the city decided to erect it. It was like a weird beer it commercial gone awry now there's a statue maybe it's also, it was also poorly lit let's be honest yes <laughs> so uh, one thing that i feel like i didn't get out of that press conference and i will never know right we'll never know how how close were san francisco and la like how hard was the decision I guess we'll never know, but do you care? I I don't care. Um, and we'll, we'll never know, but just the impression that I got, you know, based off of so many damn days reading the tea leaves and giving up and going, I'm not going to interpret this again. I don't think they were close. You know, God, that L.A. offer must have been tempting. I feel like the, the the LA offer was closer than the Giants. Yeah. I feel like was it was always, but like, was it always Philly and were the the California teams being the ones being used? Maybe, and I mean, I guess you can kind of look back in hindsight. The more interesting thing is, I feel like, and this is this is maybe a, a conversation about one thing that I noticed about this particular off season, and maybe the, like this. In 08, do you remember conversation about any ma- any any owner going in, within the the the, the storyline? I you know I don't remember John Middleton seeing where, where mentioning to somebody where's Middleton on the float? You know what I mean? Like there was no face of ownership. It was Bill Giles or whatever, and 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 it was really the GM. You know that was the right. the extent of of management of the Phillies. So all of a sudden now. You know, and it's been a couple of years that he's kind of stepped out of the 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 cabal that is Philly's ownership. Um, you know, come out of the boardroom like one, I guess, and like his. You know, there can only be one. I know that they're basically there's still just a a bunch of old ladies that sit in a boardroom that have now elected him to be the uh, the 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 spray tanned, uh, you know, f- figurehead of of ownership. But you know, John Middleton. He was called out several times by name about how his relationship, how there are these dinner meetings and breakfast meetings, how that really did uh, make a difference to Bryce, that he was a family man. I don't remember stories of, of, of Magic Johnson or any of the ownership in L.A. going out to see him. Uh, there wasn't anything about the Giants ownership or or anything. It really reminded me, I guess maybe in a good way, of like when you would hear about George Steinbrenner and the Yankees, that Really, the uh, owner... wait, 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 wait. That that good way with George Steinbrenner and the Yankees does not go together. Well... I'll let you finish your point, but it's, it's <laughs> like, you know, like let's think of Satan's positive attributes: <laughs> lots of ambition, 
you know, <laughs> looks good in red. But I mean, no, I'll, I'll let you finish your point. But positive and George, George Steinbrenner does not go together. I guess my point being that the Yankees had a lit, like had literally the owner that would would do these negotiations. You know, what I mean, it felt like it was the you were hearing from the tippy tippy top. Um, so now. And this is different for me as far as being a Phillies fan to know, you know, now the next time I see a parade, I'm going to be curious, where's Middleton? When I was watching the Eagles parade, I was curious where Jeffrey Lurie was. Obviously, he was standing next to Peterson. I mean, where else would he be? You know, so, but, you know, just as recently as the 08 championship and, and that run, there was no owner that you would, you, I wouldn't have been able to name any of the owners probably, or or not certainly not be able to pick them out of a lineup. So I, I think it's interesting now that there's this dynamic, and it's 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 starting to translate into how how it's how the product is going to be on the field that an owner actively took part in securing the biggest free agent possibly that we've ever acquired. Yeah, I mean ownership in the city has kind of evolved over the years, and one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about was. Can we can we rank our ownership uh, of our teams in terms of you know how much we approve of what they're doing? Like, would you put the would you put Middleton and the and the kind of, kind of owners group all the way at the top of that four team list? It's hard to not put the Eagles still near the top simply because it feels like this has been kind of the way the Eagles have done business. It, it, it just kind of finally paid dividends, but throughout the Andy Reed era, they were a very successful franchise. They had a misstep. They, they bought into the, the chip Kelly hooey, which backed them up, but I mean, Whatever. Other... I will always, I will always contest that if we did not have the chip Kelly experience, we would have never won that Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and I'll give ownership credit for trying it and then also bailing. Yeah, for getting you know? out of that situation when they exactly. did. That's true. Yeah. And maximizing everything when they got out of it. So you feel yeah. like I feel like that's like a one A, one in one A, simply because I need to see this I mean, on paper, this situation and for the Phillies is gonna be great. Like I mean to say that I haven't put together like 15 different machinations of the lineup would be probably underselling it because literally all I did today was just sit around and be like, let me get on my like PlayStation version of baseball and see if I can (laughs) reconstruct what would be the Phillies lineup. And it was like, my God, this team will be so expensive. Um, (laughs) But if Harper was the first domino to fall, he would obviously be the most important one. And if ownership was the one that convinced him to come, then, man, hell yeah, more power to you. You're the best. It, it's so hard to compare because it's not apples to apples. No, it's not. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean the, Philly, the the Eagles do have to also deal with this cap situation. Yeah, and, well, the Eagles under Jeffrey Lurie have been, they've been sensible. It's been like, we want the best chance to win year in, year out. And sometimes we're going to make more of a push than other times, but I don't really feel as if they've ever done what the the Phillies are doing now, where it's like we're pushing all of our chips into the table and really dream going team, for Chuck. It. Do you forget about the dream team? But but <laughs> but Lori could just as easily be uh, Jerry Jones. Yeah. Um, oh no no, that's I'm a not... way to not do it. He could be at the uh, the orchids of Asia <laughs> experience in Florida. You know. He's not. I, oh, no, Jeff no, no. Lurie is a great owner. 
Oh, he is. I wasn't knocking it. No, no, I, I know you weren't. Yeah, I was saying like he he gets you the most lottery tickets. You know, it's like we're gonna take a stab at this every year. Some years we're gonna have you know better odds than others, but we're gonna be competitive every year. Um, the the Phils are making this tremendous push now. Joshua Harris and the Sixers group, like this is you know you this know, is the end figure- of cycle one. I can't figure out that. So this Josh Harris situation, because it started out as this is an investment, right? And he's going to flip the team and and make a billion dollars off of the Sixers once they're great. But he seems to really love owning the Sixers. How could you not love owning the Sixers, though? I I feel like maybe if it maybe has the mood shifted on that. Do we think he he's in it for the long haul now? Oh yeah, I'm, I I feel like I do because I I think that maybe remember the team he was buying. It was not a fun team, and then he brought in Sam Hinkie, and even to a certain degree because of what just the the whole the process, it just became something that was so fascinating to see kind of play out to see how this whole situation was. Go, you know, you had to stay in and see the rest of the movie. You know what I mean? You had to hang in there if you bought into the process, which a lot of people we just we were we had nothing else to hang our hat on. We we had lived through the Andrew Bynum nonsense, so we needed to do something. So, so is that just, the knock on them? Because they, I mean, does that take them down a notch? Because hey, you should have stuck with Sam. Like you made a commitment to it, and then you bailed. I I am angry because I I have started to be really believe the conspiracy theory that the NBA itself stepped 100%. in. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that was conspiracy theory. I thought that was fact. <laughs> like, no, I, I, I honestly did. I thought the NBA honestly said this: "You are an embarrassment to us. Like, get this guy out of here." I feel like it was more like they were punishing, trying to to kind of punish the like, let the league go on notice that like this is not how you're going to build a team. And I don't know. I, I'd like to believe that Sam Hinkie would would have pulled the trigger eventually. That's the great unknown: is how would what decisions would Hinkie have made? Um, I really like what Elton Brand is doing. I don't know that I like the bridge between the two. Uh, you know, find another take, Chuck. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, and the Sixers are still the great experiment, too. I feel like they're a notch below, but also because partly because the NBA is, more than any other of the leagues, it is absolutely, without a doubt, a player's league. It is absolutely dominated not only a players league, it is it is a select few players league where a select few players can literally build and build their own teams around them without almost any input from from anybody else. You know, LeBron did it, you know, and, and there's going to be other guys that are going to be able to do the same thing. And you got Harris like flying in Meek Mill and all that stuff. So I think he's a decent owner. Yeah. And and the Flyers now being owned by comcast without the snyder family it's it's really too soon to say what's going on there i like the fact that uh paul holmgren stepped up when he felt like hextall was taking the team away from ed snyder's sort of core values and paul holmgren said he felt like he was entrusted with maintaining ed snyder's legacy and I'm not talking about like doing crazy shit of going like we're all in and we're buying big goalies, but like the way people are treated and the alumni there and the real family feeling around the Flyers. Hopefully, you know, you have Paul Holmgren continuing to to carry on that legacy 
And when Paul Holmgren's time is done, somebody else steps in and tries to carry on that culture that Ed Snyder put into place. But eh, they're they're owned they're owned by a corporation, man. Like, yeah. But if you're going to be owned by a corporation in Philadelphia, oh yeah, it better be Comcast. Yeah, if not that Wawa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, Comcast is. <laughs> Is the is the better fiscal choice, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. They're making briskets now <laughs> at Wawa's. Stay fran- in your lane, guys. The franchise built on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean seriously. Like, if, if there's one corporation right now that's synonymous with Philadelphia, it's Comcast. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they just like stay out, right? Like, get a good GM, get a good president, and then just stay out. Yeah, and I think that's the goal. And um, what the hell is his name? Scott, Dave Scott, is it? Yeah, Dave Scott. Um, Comcast Spectacor, right? Isn't it? Yep. Um, and he he pushed a little more to be a little more aggressive and you know get people involved, and that's good. But no, stay out of the way. Let them you know you know build the the hockey team and just trust the fans to follow. The Flyers have no lack of people that would be well known in terms of the the Flyer culture. You know what I mean? They, like we said earlier, people don't leave. You know, and even when we've had disputes with the fly with with former Flyers, like look at Eric Lindros now. Like, has there ever been anybody that's 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 done as many twists and turns with their relationship with the fans as Eric Lindros? Uh, you know, because I think yeah. I feel like he's as beloved now as maybe he was when he was in his prime. Oh, if not more. And he's all over the place now. Like, it's beginning to get like, don't you live in Toronto? Like, <laughs> like, like you're at random pubs like every weekend now, Eric. Here's a pro- it's awesome to be able to see you, but I mean, still. Here's a prime example from my own personal life about the Eric Lindros phenomenon. Uh, after he was went to the Rangers, I had a an ornament on my Christmas tree that was an Eric Lindros ornament. That ornament came down. And did not go back up until after the Winter Classic. And it has been on my tree every year since. So, you know, I feel like there actually was kind of a a dark period where we needed to reconcile our relationship with with that whole period of hockey. Because, God damn, he didn't get us a cup. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. as much as we don't want to blame him entirely for that, like you feel like that was the promise. And, and you really hope with this Bryce Harper, Harper situation, with as much optimism as we all have right now, that... That we don't end up with that taste in our mouth. That, like, at some point, it does actually come out the way it's supposed to. I want to yeah. wrap up the uh, the Bryce Harper conversation now, but I want to end on this. Have you guys bought your Bryce Harper jerseys yet? Not yet. Um, no. Gene? I looked, but I couldn't. I couldn't get one. So here's your options for Bryce Harper jerseys, and I would like a little fashion Adelphia here uh, to close out this segment. So you you can get your classic red pinstripes. You can get the you can get a retro powder blue. You could get the alternate cream, like the cream color jersey that they wear on Sundays. Usually. Yeah, the blue hat jersey. Right, the road jersey, the gray road jersey. Or uh, it's called the Scarlet. The Scarlet? Uh, What's that? So the Scarlet is a red jersey with like deeper red uh, Philly script with the blue stars. That's just spring training, right? Well, it's not called spring training. It's called 
cool base player jersey scarlet <laughs> well with a name like that who isn't buying well they're all called cool base so I, it's, a, it's <laughs> jersey oh, scarlet oh it sounds I, like a, oh, sounds I, like a I know they're naming the that'll come up later in the penalty box sorry jingle <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna stick with ro- you're a road jersey guy. I I, I, I have I have a, a road jersey 26. But honestly, and I said this, I forget who I said this to today. I said if, if I was going to get a home jersey, I've been I was seriously considering a, a Harper. But honestly, of this group, very seriously, and maybe this shows my bias for for guys that are uh, that are that are homegrown. I really want a Reese Hoskins jersey, and I wanted that since like last summer, since the okay. basically since home run derby. Uh, so I'm kind of leaning towards the Reese. But if I was going to get a Harper jersey, and I might, I, I might. I think I was going to. I'm thinking I'm going to get the the actual home print stripes. I don't have. I have a powder blue jersey. I have a. It's an, just an unnamed powder blue. Uh, and I and I have a road um, Hamels, and I have a road Utley. So I think I. I if I'm okay. going to add to my collection, I'm going to add a home jersey. I have a I have a home alternate uh, Utley, so I think I think I I may go with the Scarlet. Hmm, I'm enjoying that something something different. Um, I I would either do the pinstripes or the throwback blue. I think the throwback blue is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, although that weekend one, I you know my current Phillies hat dates back from 2008 because I didn't replace it until they won the World Series. So I wore the ratty ass thing up through the and the very next day I bought a new hat. Um, but it was the throwback blue hat with the red brim before it became the alternate. Uh, I'm going to go home pinstripes. Home pinstripes right. is what I'd get. Are they going to wear the powder blues at some point this season? Because I, I feel like now I need to see uh, Bryce Harper in in powder blue. You're going to see it. You'll see it. They'll definitely do it. They always do it. Does this make the the Washington Nationals now the biggest rival in the division, or is it still the Mets and the Braves? Like, God, the the division games are going to be all wars this year. By the way, yeah, you're going to have to beat beat up on the Marlins a lot. The, <laughs> yeah, the Marlins are going to have to get no wins to win this division. Uh, all right, you know what? Let's talk about the Sixers real quick next. Um, still playing without the big guy, Joel. Still, uh, still injured from uh, lying about his injury to play in the All Star game. <laughs> I made that. I don't. I don't know if that's true. He says that he felt fine in the All Star game. I just don't know what could have possibly happened between playing in the All Star game and not being able to play since uh, to cause him to be injured. But we beat uh, Oklahoma City for the first time in Finally, our history. W- one in nineteen since they moved from Seattle. This is the first time we have we had a victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. God, and we stole that one too. It was uh, nuts. It was a it was a crazy it was a crazy game, uh, but uh, we squeaked it out. It was it was it was fun to watch. But that that was all preamble to the to the game yesterday. Was that game yesterday? Am I, am I, have I lost? Yeah, yeah. It was Saturday night. So yeah, yeah yesterday's relative from when we're talking about or when someone's listening to this. Right, yeah, Saturday, Saturday night, night because that was as far as I was concerned that that primetime matchup on ABC Sixers Sacramento not Sacramento uh Golden State. That was that was the entree to this little to this little week of uh, uh of Sixers basketball. And uh man, I I thought that they had it. When when you go, you know, you're up 12 at half, and I think they had a, a lead at some point in the second half of 14, and and to not win, and and Dave, I guess my question to you is is are we seeing the cracks in Brett in the Brett Brown 
armor? Is 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 he never? Is he not going to be a good end of game coach? And is it going to cost us the ability to to go where we need to go with this team? Um. Yes. Uh, that's qu- great commentary. Not, next so, question. <laughs> so what? No, that's my answer is yes. So what? What the heck went on at the end of that Warriors game? So why are we? Why is Mike Scott fouling the greatest free throw shooter in the history of basketball with like forty seconds left in a yeah, or, in a five and, point game? Yeah, or, I mean maybe he's not the greatest in all time, but I mean still, why are we fouling there? Why is Ben Simmons intentionally missing? Like now, it's like I can't. It's difficult enough for him to make the shot, and he's like missing the rim entirely. Right, like you couldn't even miss, which I guess is a harder thing. It's like asking a singer to sing off key for something. But why are we doing all that stuff? Just play it straight up. Right, just play the game. Just play the game. Uh, like they had an opportunity, and then don't out Harris. Why? Why are you stepping out of bounds? And like, I'm I mean, still I'm not convinced he did. I'm not convinced either. But I, but I'll take something like that. I'll take a loss where where some kind of physical miscue or something happens. But I do not like bad strategy. And and I don't know if he was not. W- w- do you think that he, he was told to foul there? I know for a fact that he ha- that, that Ben Simmons had to have been signaled to miss that foul shot. There's no way that Simmons just does that on his own. I, that had to have been been the plan. And and those no, are just got, bad the decisions. Team, it's too. The whole team is too young to do anything on their own. And in like, and in and in the regular season, just play it straight up. You don't have to. You don't have to play it wacky. Just just play it straight. And it's a shame because the three regional manager had a fantastic <laughs> game. God, he did he put up thirty points? <laughs> and, and 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 I know he had he had nineteen, I think, in the second half. It was crazy. He's yeah, the other I real. Enjoy f- when he's when he's playing well because then I get to send like Michael Scott gifts to you guys after every three-pointer which are awesome (laughs) do you think that that game turns out differently if we have either one of the bigs because we're down two we're down basically both our centers oh well i said Embiid plays we win by 12 you know uh yeah i think the game's very different if we have one of our bigs but jonah bolden played great too yeah he just got into foul trouble really early But but that's what jonah bolden does but I'm actually starting to like Jonah Bolden. Right, and you can have that when you've got other options. You can have him go in and do what he does and rack up his fouls, and it's fine because you it's can go back shame. to him. It's just a shame because we could have swept Golden State this season, and that would have been a you know an accomplishment. Do, do you think that Golden State is not quite the powerhouse that they were? Do you think that they're well, ripe for the taking? Do you think that whoever comes yeah. out of the war that's going to be the East really has a shot? It's starting to look that way. It's definitely starting to look that way. Um just to give a kind of an update on, on where we are. We're still in the four seed. Um, we are a half a game behind Indiana, which is all going to change this week. We have a game against the Pacers. We have a pretty light schedule coming up over the next five or six games. There are some tricky, uh, tricky games. I play the Rockets, um, but overall we should have a pretty successful week. Boston is just free falling, baby. But they're still in that five speed, five seed spot. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. I'd they're, like to see them get caught. Boston's but... three and seven in their last ten. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah, and they are. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, they're still six six games ahead of Detroit, who's in the six seed. So I don't think Boston's moving out of that five seed. Yeah. So we have got to move up. Yeah, we got to get to that three. Spot. Yeah, we got to get to the three. 
All right, Chuck, fly guys. Getting points, still getting points. Uh, yeah, got points all uh, every game this week. Uh, looking all right doing it, looking good doing it, but it's still, it's still needed a hell that of a Columbus game, the... man. Needed yeah. that Columbus game. Yeah, need to win that in regulation. Them getting that extra point, you know, really hurt us. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it, it, we are making progress. I think we're just gonna run out of runway. You know, I think we're just gonna run out of time to make our 150 way. game season I, I like our chances yeah <laughs> well we that's just how bad we were to start the season um but we have a, a couple more weeks to go only two games b- between now and the next time we speak one against washington one against uh the islanders so pretty much got to win those both um, but this week was a good one. This week was a good one outside of the overtime loss to Columbus. I really like the way the kids have looked, uh, especially the two Travises. Uh, Travis Konechny and Travis Sandheim have looked really good and have been yeah. showing up all over the scoring uh, scoring sheet. Um, Travis uh, Konechny showing a little grit to uh, replace what we lost with Simmons, which is surprising and I'm not sure I like, but I... <laughs> I like the fact that you know somebody is stepping up to answer the bell, but you know that the Flyers look good. It's just it it just might be too hard to to make it back in the playoffs. So we got to get um, so we're five points out of a playoff spot right now, and realistically, that's six because we don't own any of the tiebreakers. Damn. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how many team? How many games they play in hockey? Eighty four. Uh, Eighty two. Eighty two. Um, so I we, have, we have like 16, sixteen games, games left. left. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean um, we like have two losses and that's really it? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Do we play Columbus and Montreal like four times? Oh, uh, we. we can... <laughs> make up ground. Well, no, no. Yeah, we we have the opportunity to make up ground. It's not necessarily Columbus and Montreal. Um, but we do play uh, – we definitely play Montreal. We don't – I don't think we play Columbus again. Uh, we play Carolina twice, but they might be out of striking distance. We – it's a it's a really tough road ahead of us. Um, I know we've we had a game against Toronto too, I think. We have a game against Toronto. Uh, we have two against Washington, although we match up against Washington well. Uh, another one against the Islanders. Uh, yeah, we're hit and miss against the Islanders. Ottawa, we should beat up on. Toronto, that's going to be tough. Pittsburgh's going to be tough. Montreal's going to be tough. We should beat up on uh, Chicago. Once again, another one against the Islanders. Uh, another one against Washington. Another one against Toronto. Yeah, Rangers, this, this Dallas. This schedule does not sound great. No, I mean, and like unless teams just start losing like a bunch yeah it we're we can drop maybe three games like two in regulation one in overtime and i think we might come close to that but it's it's really gonna be hard to make the playoffs but essentially every every night's almost uh, it's games it's game seven for us yeah. you know what i mean it's like playoffs right well every night's game six every, <laughs> every night's, night's game, game six. six and it's gonna be game seven real quick if we're lucky 
So it's, it, I mean, there's plenty of things to, to watch for. There's plenty of things to root for. I think we'll be around until May the second to last week of the season. But I, I don't, I think we're going to end up missing the playoffs by like four points, but it's going to be, it's going to take a hell of a lot of effort to make up those, you know, three points we're behind or whatever the case uh, may be. It's like if we just played a little better. Yeah. Earlier the yeah, really. <laughs> like if we just weren't miserable. And Brian Elliott, uh, Brian Elliott has looked good. Uh, it's a shame, you know, he's a little bit older and his injury history of late is bad because he'd be a fine backup for Hart. But hey, let's have a fun run with Elliott here before uh, before he's gone. Well, on that note, let's get into the penalty box. Okay, uh, Dave, I'm gonna kick it right back to you, Dave. Who is in your penalty box I'm this put- evening? I'm putting Bron Bron, LeBron James in the penalty box. I don't know if you guys caught this. LeBron James against the Phoenix Suns uh, is uh, is taking the inbound pass, and he passes it into the back of the backboard and gives the ball right back to the Suns. (laughs) Did you you see that? Did you see that? No. uh, This is the first time I'm hearing that, actually. First off, I don't even know how you do that. You have to see it to believe it. Second of all, the guy's not even paying attention. It's he's totally checked out right now. And I don't know what's going to happen to him uh, moving forward. But every time I see some nonsense like that, I'm just so relieved that he's not doing that crap on the Sixers. So for that, LeBron James in my penalty box. All right, LeBron James, you're getting a 23-minute penalty. Actually, we're going to change it to a six-minute penalty. We're going to change it back to 23-minute penalty, and it's going to be served in Cleveland. Uh, LeBron James, thank you for not being on the Sixers. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box? I don't. I'm not sure if this is an older story or if we've we've talked about this before. But this is the first time I've seen the the actual video evidence of this. Has anybody seen that video where there's like a uh, it's a it's a montage of gritty doing lots of great gritty things? You yeah. know, shooting t-shirts into into the into the crowd, uh, belly bumping. Um, you know, just generally being gritty. And uh, as it's playing some sort of like sad ballad, I I believe. And as the the camera pans out, there is a a shot of the New Jersey Devils mascot with a sledgehammer and a television. Yeah. And the mascot just destroys the television and then looks back at the camera. I'm telling you, there is something, you know, and we we talked about this last week about the other mascots. Wondering, you know, why the game has changed about, um, you know, the rules have changed for gritty. Look, man, raise your games, other mascots. Yeah. Stop with this gritty hate. The the mascots hating on gritty. It's it's played out. NHL mascots. You should be so happy because you know what I didn't care about before gritty. NHL mascots did not care about them. So I'm putting specifically. The, the New Jersey's Devils mascot, because A of all, there are barely New Jersey Devil fans. <laughs> and second of all, your mascot, he needs to get over it, man. Like, stop with this petty, like, I'm going to smash the TV. Do you, do you think there's one single Jersey Devil fan that suddenly felt more passionate about the team because their their mascot is butt hurt? 
I can't believe that there's such a thing. All right. For a butthurt devil who is practically Orwellian in his uh, gritty protest, you are getting uh, a double minor, one for breaking the TV, one for being petty. Chuck, who is in your penalty box? Okay, the people who are going to be in my penalty box are the fine people of New Era and their hats. And I mentioned earlier in the show that my current Phillies hat dates back to 2008. You know, I was thinking of replacing it at the beginning of this season or, you know, supplementing it because I will never buy a new hat like mid-season, you know, not to change the voodoo. And I went on... Uh, fanatics and i saw two hats that i found very disturbing and these hats are faux distressed hats you can buy a worn in hat brand new it is the philadelphia phillies new era team rustic 920 adjustable hat there is like fake dirt on it there is oh my like, gosh there is like <laughs> threads like coming off of it so you can buy a pre-worn like shitty hat and that is unacceptable that is unacceptable if you want to beat up hat go to goodwill get one from a friend or just buy a new damn hat and wear it into the ground it's not that hard they only look good for a couple months before they look like worn in you know uh go buy a brand new hat and mow your damn lawn mow your neighbor's lawn that thing's gonna get worn in pretty quick Uh, it's i was disgusted by that why would you need to buy a faux dirty hat so uh new era you know fanatics the phillies whomever you're getting a 10 minute game misconduct don't bring that fake shit around here yeah like one one sunday afternoon game in july yeah and that (laughs) sucker's got like a an orange stain around it Like if there's a business in that, just loan it out to me, man. I can, I can, I can, I can funk up your hat real quick. All right, everybody. I've noticed that uh, that there's a lot of you that have not uh, rated and reviewed our show on iTunes. So if you get a second, it's only like three clicks on your smartphone to do that uh please give us a star rating it helps uh, other people find the show it helps promote the show so we would really appreciate it also check us out on social media facebook twitter uh instagram just search potadelphia and uh and on that note uh we'll see you next monday have a great day at work unless you're stuck at home with the kids because it's snowing so much in which case Let it Garth snow, let it Garth snow, let it Garth snow. (laughs) Have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.